0: Welcome to This Fleeting Breath, the podcast where a bunch of pastors get together and discuss the news of the week and the sermons that they heard on Sunday morning. This is Jesse Ramsey. And I'm Heath Chambers. Let's go to the basement.
1: All
0: right, Welcome to this uh, week's edition of This Fleeting Breath. I'm here with Brother Jesse. Uh, and today we're going to do what we think will probably be kind of a normal, run-of-the-mill show for us um, each each week
1: well you know that's funny that you say that i don't know that anything will ever be normal for us either, yeah but yeah so
0: anything that we do is never going to be normal but we're going to
1: try to set a standard that this yeah. is <laughs> maybe not normal but this is what we're going to shoot for
0: yeah so the so the breakdown is that we're going to uh first look at some news articles that caught my eye and i'm going to see what jesse thinks about them basically um and then whoever our guest is uh if we have a guest we'll get their opinion too uh and then what we hope to do maybe not this week but in future weeks is to bring uh one of our sets of children in and mm-hmm. do um a catechism uh with them and so hopefully our or our hope is that you will be able to use that uh that same catechism in your family worship and um be able to kind of feed off of the conversations that happen here so uh the first article that I sent Jesse this week uh actually happened to think uh last week. July 6th was the last update. Um, I saw this come across my uh, a Reddit feed um, that I that I follow, uh, that 140 Nigerian Baptist students were kidnapped in Kaduna. Mm-hmm. Is that what it says? Kaduna mm-hmm. at a school, right? It's a at
1: Baptist school. A Baptist school. It's a ba- Baptist church, mm-hmm. residential school, uh, you know, kind of like a Uh, I guess maybe what most people here in America would call a boarding school or or something along those lines.
0: Yeah, so my assumption is having, you know, two weeks of African experience uh, being in Africa, uh, the schools that we saw were typically like, there was Mm -hmm. not at least in the rural areas a uh, a legitimate school system, like a public school system. Um, So what we saw is mostly religious affiliated boarding schools. And we actually went to one um, while we were there and I don't know, you know what the affiliation was. Uh, but, but that's sort of typical for uh, schools in Africa, at least in the area that we went. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it says more than 100 students at a Baptist boarding school in Nigeria's northern state of Kaduna were, were captured early Monday morning in what Nigerian church leaders call the worst kidnapping of Christians to date.
1: You know, it's and and that is slightly misleading because if you read further on into the article, it tells us that in six months, this is the fourth kidnapping Mm -hmm. that they have experienced in that area. And almost a thousand students have been taken hostage.
0: Do we know anything as far as like... Do we ha- I don't. I don't see in, in the article, at least to this point that I've read, any update on their status. Do we know?
1: No. No. Um, you know, there were again, according to the article, there were several different you know kind of estimations about how and and again um, having this much experience with you know a school in Africa, um, estimations on who was there and how many students mm-hmm. were in the building that day and who you know actually was there is kind of up in the air, but. It seems like uh, the most accurate count. They're saying that there's maybe uh, 140ish or so still missing. Uh, 25 have been um, uh, recovered or found. Actually, and in reading in the article, it really does kind of, you know, they're they're of course they're going back and forth. They're trying to be political about it, and Mm -hmm. you know, oh, this is not uh, religious persecution kind of deal, this is not, you know, these are uh, bandits, they're calling them, Mm -hmm. bandits and and, you know, uh, of course, you know, there there have been some ransoms that have been abducted, but what they're kind of the common thread through through this is that the non-Christian children seem to be making their way back home while the Christian children have not not been found yet I believe there was let me uh, let me check and see I'm, I highlighted it um, talking about the girls school did you read that
0: mm-hmm. yeah, this is um, from it's a Christianity to Christianity Today article so mm-hmm. uh,
1: I can't find that one piece of information I'm, I'm wanting to think uh, I'm to think it was about two hundred girls that they mm. say two hundred girls that were abducted from an all girls school, um, and they you know the parents are of course asking for help and 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 they're just not getting it. They've not been it's almost like they're not even looking for them.
0: Yeah, it um it's really for me at least um sort of. Uh, a humbling sort of thing you know obviously there are uh increasingly in the united states of america uh, persecutions that that are coming uh towards christians especially uh christians who proclaim you know christ as the only um the only solution for humanity's uh fallenness but at the same time uh I'm not worried when I go to school every day that armed gunmen are going to come and kidnap the students. Um, it's just not something that necessarily crosses my mind, so nor should it yeah and so and so we live in a country that is that is for the most part um, not seeing this kind of persecution. and so I think that sometimes we have um, sort of uh, Convinced ourselves that the whole world is like Newport, Tennessee Or that the whole world is like the United States of America and that is simply not the case. We see articles every day that are talking about um, the persecution that is happening in for religion in general, but but namely in the name of Christianity Um, it's just it's humbling for me. It's humbling to see this. It moves me to prayer, and I hope that it moves our people to prayer. I mean, this is, uh, you know, this is. It's devastating.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a there's another piece in the article that talks about a um, talks about a church just a couple of weeks before in the same neighborhood um, where the church was attacked, left one member dead and four kidnapped and still unaccounted for mm-hmm. uh, at the time that this article was written. Uh,
0: in the article, it says um, that, that, that Nigeria leads the world in the number of kidnapped Christians with 990 tallied by open doors, which I assume is some sort of statistic program uh, for missions. Um,
1: yeah that it's it's they've really there's a lot of oppression there yeah. basically is the is what we're getting from this article um Nigeria has moved into the top 10 uh, worst uh worst places for Christians to be yeah it, it, there's
0: actually a link in this article to the most difficult places to be i think it was maybe baptist but uh not one article i read was baptist this one is the 50 countries where it's most dangerous to follow Jesus in 2021.
1: The report was put together by, by a Baptist organization. Okay. Uh, but they talk a lot. It's the Fulani... Oh, man, I just had it. There it was. The Fulani uh, sect. I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're comparing them a lot to uh, this... Um, the <laughs> I can't say that. Uh, another, another group of Christians in... Um, or excuse me, a group of uh, Muslims in um, West Africa uh, that said that they they have a comparable strategy, and it is to demonstrate a clear intent to target Christians and potential symbols of Christian identity, mm. and um, and that's a that report was from the United Kingdom, um, mm. a group called APPG that uh, is a basically a religious freedom group, but it's yeah. it's 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 troubling, sad and scary right
0: i mean and so for me at least it is um it's a call to prayer, we have to be in prayer, we have it so good here in America mm. um to be able to have the freedom, though we may not for long we have currently the freedom to worship, we have the freedom to do do so safely, at least in, in the majority uh of places, and so you know, to to look at this list of places, it, it's the hardest to follow Jesus. Uh, number nine on the list is Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and some of these places, I can't imagine. North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Yemen, uh, Iran, Nigeria, India. I mean, you you look at that and it's a mix of other than North Korea, it's basically a mix of African and Middle Eastern countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, to think about hearing your report about you know on the last podcast about the Sin Conference, mm-hmm. how many couples were headed straight into some of these very countries. Yeah, you know, um, anything else you have on that? No, I, it's it, I implore you, as a church, as Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church. I know that you're praying for, uh, for Aaliyah. I know that you're pr- praying for Tanzania. But we have a whole world where our brothers and sisters are being persecuted, where they're being, um, they're being killed in the name of Jesus. Uh, and so we have to be people who are willing to, to pray. And so I would, I would implore you as, as a church body, pray for these. As you come across these articles, our first reaction should be to hit our knees and pray.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: In other news, Jesse, maybe a little more um, church-focused rather than mission-focused here. Um,
1: Not quite so heavy. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I read an article this week, and I sent it to you. Called The title of the article is Five Non-Essentials of uh, the Christian Faith. It's by, uh, let's see, Truth for Life. So that's Alistair Begg, right? I think so. Okay. Five Non-Essentials of the Christian Faith. Uh, and so he starts out the article very plainly, uh, plainly stating that doctrine matters. Um, so he says, We must state plainly up front that even though our doctrinal rigidness is a danger, doctrinal indifference is a mistake. And he, you know he goes on to quote Paul in Titus, where he says, We must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So, Let's talk about the five. Let me give the five, right? Okay, yeah. We'll start with the five. I and love you this pick. too.
1: I love this because this is really this is a good this is a good like depiction here because I agree that doctrine matters, but I also don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, but at the same time, I I can I read this article and was like, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Just put that in the just put that over here in the in the don't talk about that column, <laughs> or not don't talk about no,
0: it column. But I, you know, I'm t- I'm so torn on this because so many of these things, and I think here's the deal. I think that so many of these things on these on this list have been for me uh, sanctifying uh, well that they're hard to say. They don't matter. This doesn't matter. But at the same time, at the same time, I understand that. Look, as as uh, the church continues, and as persecution uh, continues, uh, there will have to be some unifying things that happen. And you know, maybe these five are things that that we need to start with. I'm I'm going to leave it up to. I want the, I want you know. Comments on YouTube. I want people sending me and you texts with their opinions. Oh goodness! You know, I want to. I want to know how we feel about this because I'm torn. You know, so so the most important thing is I want you to to hear that he does say that doctrine matters. He says the church does not possess an authority of itself; rather, the church is under the authority of the Scriptures, and we ought only go as far as the Bible is determining. What is essential to the gospel? So
1: That's Calvin, by the way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so five non essentials of the Christian faith, and then you pick the one you want to talk about, okay? okay. Or you pick the first one. Okay, you want to talk go about. for it. Let's hear okay? it. Number one on the list. You want to go top five? You want to go five to one or one to five?
1: You just read them, brother. All
0: right. Number one.
1: It doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> Election and predestination. Number one. <clears throat> number two, baptism. Number three, church polity. Number four, eschatology. And number five, spiritual gifts. Because I want to read. I want to read what he says. I want to give him, mm-hmm. you know, his due. Well, right. So which, where do you want to go?
1: Well, this is to go in order. Let's start with
0: number one. Okay, so here's what he says. He says, The utter sovereignty of God over the salvation of His people is a precious truth that, when understood properly, cuts down our pride and in turn causes us to be more gracious to others. Nevertheless, the doctrines of grace can stir up contention with respect to both how we talk about them and how others receive them. The fundamental issue... For us is that we are not saved on account of our understanding of saving grace. Rather, God saves us by His grace. It is, not my, it is not my knowledge or the great and mysterious electing purposes of God that is the ground of my salvation, but it is the very grace of God at work in my life whether I am able to articulate it or not.
1: You know what? I want to I want to go back and apologize cuz I don't want to seem callous mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever cuz it's not I do care about these things. But at the same time, I also I also see so much man mm-hmm. in the establishment of doctrine. I see men, you know, laying out rules the same way, you know, similar to the the pharisees in building the hedge around the law Mm -hmm. you know what i mean okay and so i do i do agree that they they are important things and and there are things like just like randy says (laughs) i mean you know if you don't believe that okay it's there it says it yeah plain and clear you know what i'm saying let's try to figure that out but um I, I think I think he answers that so beautifully in that second statement, and it's mm. not it's not for us to to say. It's not for us to decide. It's not God's saving grace and His work in uh, election and predestination. Is, <laughs> it, yeah, you know.
0: Well, I think the issue is that for so many people, and there's a term that that gets thrown around sometimes when people first. Uh, come to a knowledge of the doctrines of grace, and I was there, and I'm sure that many of us can, you know, speak to this. But there is a there is a cage stage sort of Calvinism mm-hmm. that that comes about where you think I understand more than you understand about the grace of God, and that and that does bring that does drive a wedge between people you go out and you say well look if you really understood scripture you would understand about election and predestination um, I think that people have to mature out of that I think that it has to, has to become a place just like he says here you know that, that the doctrines of grace um, should make us more humble because we know it has nothing to do with us at all it has everything to do with God and that should make us more graceful to people but instead, it may, seems to make us less grateful at the onset because I think we we have a a, a superiority complex, sure. you know, and I think part of that is it's so different than everything that we've ever been taught, you know, especially you know growing up in our church background. Um, it's so foreign of a thing that the natural reaction is to kick against it. And so we feel like we're constantly being kicked, you know. Yeah. And, so, and so that brings about sort of a, a superiority complex. But really and truly, you know, when I, when I teach and when I preach, um, election and predestination are always in my mind, but they're never uh, or rarely are they forefront in my mind. More so than anything, the grace of God. Is forefront in my mind, or at least that's my prayer. The grace of God, the work of Christ on the cross, and the person of Christ and the resurrection, and how that translates to uh, a person's salvation is far more important. Now, does it affect the way that church at Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church operates? Yes, because most people in our county probably have an altar call. And while we have an altar call, it's never an anxious bench, right? It's never a, you know, raise your hand if you.
1: Prayed this prayer. Prayed this mm-hmm. prayer. Nobody. All, all heads bowed. No eyes looking around.
0: Right. Yeah. So we don't. We don't do that, right? Because because we don't feel like that that is um, necessary for someone to be saved, or is you know really an honest uh, portrayal of what salvation really is.
1: I think to be honest, I think that type of situation has actually led a lot of people into a false. Salvation or not false it, salvation, but um, um, a not sanctified salvation, maybe. I yeah. don't know.
0: Well, I've, I know. I think you said it right the first time. I think that it has led to people who believe that they are redeemed, justified, and being sanctified when they are, in fact, not... Based on their works.
1: Mm-hmm. Well,
0: that's the only thing we have to judge by, right? right. But We're yeah. not ultimately the ones who are judging, mm-hmm. right? But, but, yeah, I think that there are... You can have a false security about your salvation, based off of if it's if it's based on something that you've done, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what's so and important. And fueled I by think. emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Amen to that. So, yeah. so number two again is baptism. This is what he says: the mode of and age for baptism must also be regarded as a non-essential. The ordinance of baptism itself is essential within the life of every local church, but the particular way in which it is practiced is not nearly as important as that it is practiced. Every pastor in every church must remain firm, must retain firm convictions as to how and when it will administer the sacrament that Christ himself ordained, and yet one's convictions on baptism are not sufficient cause to disavow fellowship with those with whom we disagree.
1: You know, and I think uh, having experienced uh, you know a couple of different styles when it comes to you know this or that, I w- I will say one thing that I appreciated greatly, and at the time it was um, it was hard because I just didn't I wasn't putting it all together. But Dylan, my oldest son, when he got saved several years ago. Um, Randy suggested that we wait on baptism. Mm-hmm. And we waited and we waited and we waited. It felt like it was you know, and, and I'm not being eccentric. I mean it was we it was, you know, maybe a year almost. I mm-hmm. can't remember exactly, but it was it was quite a while. And at first it was I was like, man. I want him to get baptized, you know, he's done this and, you know, I want everybody to know and I want him to, you know, but it actually was, was really good because it opened the door for us to have lots of conversations with Dylan and talk about the importance of not just baptism, but the decision that he is has uh, made in his life and the, the accountability that comes along with that and the, the you know, the the responsibility and so we had a we had a lot of great conversations geared around that because we waited for that moment Mm -hmm. you know just to make sure you know we didn't want to just like what we were talking about a false sense of salvation you know that's something that you don't want to put on your child you know and so it was um it was great and i don't know that we would have had those conversations if we hadn't been waiting for baptism so i appreciate that
0: and i think you know the issue that divides most Christians uh, is infant baptism versus believers baptism Mm -hmm. right Uh, whether or not children should be baptized uh, and then on the other side believers baptism when you um, are when you make a profession of faith you know then you're baptized and so you know this this debate has been raging for years. It will continue. Say, when rage. was the Bible written? Yeah, this, exactly. Yeah. Um, and look, I I know we are a Southern Baptist church. We obviously believe in believer, believers' baptism, and you know I I think that Scripture clearly speaks on that. You look at Acts chapter two, the first sermon that Peter preached, and he says, "Believe and be baptized." You know, and so or sorry, repent and be baptized and I just you know for me looking at the scriptures as a whole um, I fall on the side of, of believer's baptism do I necessarily think that because it's pretty much us and nobody else right it's Baptist versus you know everybody everybody in yeah. this sense um, I, I don't know I mean I don't I'm not the one necessarily to debate this um, is it is it essential? I, I don't know. I didn't baptize my children when they were born, you know. Yeah. So, so I don't have that chance to go back and do that again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have to. So, so yes, it, it's fundamental in that it, it it dictate dictated to me how I should, you know, the spiritual life of my children. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't. To say it's non-essential is not to say that baptism is not of the utmost importance sure. in the Christian walk. Um, but I don't know. It's a debate that people will continue to have on Facebook and Reddit and TikTok or whatever it is, whatever's cool these That's days. That's
1: what we want to see. Let's see some TikTok battles about baptism. Yeah. Let's see where we can find those. paedo,
0: is it Pateo Baptism and Credo Baptism? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they're out there, yeah. you know what? I'm sure you're out there. Um, all right, number three, church polity. It's funny. I sent a text message in the pastor's group this week, and I said, what is the most uh, what is the one thing that churches today fail um, fail at the most um, and I think it, I saw an article somewhere um, and my response was I think church discipline. And then Randy said, church polity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so here's what he says. He says, the structure of leadership in a church is another non-essential. People hold strong views on governance, but it cannot be the basis for fellowship or for distinguishing ourselves from fellowship. The church absolutely must have Christ-like capable leaders to succeed. But how those leaders and their congregation choose to structure their polity is non-essential to having a thriving gospel ministry. I think I feel like we're just we're we're trying to figure out church polity in at Lincoln Avenue. You know, we're we don't have it defined well anyway. So I don't I don't know how anybody has a strong view on it because yeah. I don't even know what the structure necessarily is. I know what we as pastors want it to be. I know that we want it to be if if me or you or Randy drop dead. Tomorrow, that somebody at Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church is, is ready to move into that position or, or bring in somebody in that position so that the, the, the congregation is member-led. Um, but I don't know that we, we can do that. I don't know if Randy dropped dead today. That we would have that in place, I I don't know. I'm just no, saying. Yeah, uh, you know, it would it's, be. I, <clears throat> what I'm saying is, it's 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 definitely not essential at this point in at Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church. As we don't really know. Yeah,
1: no, I you know, and that, I think that goes back to a lot of, though. You know, it's just it, to me, this is this is a great time at Lincoln Avenue. Mm. I feel um, I feel like there's so many great things happening. Um, and I just I feel like part of that is, you know, we're we're seeing some some tides shift and 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 I think we're seeing more people come forward to be leaders and yep. to, to, to step up and to fulfill their call, which we all have a call uh, to serve the church. Um, and, you know, I think we got to get that part right before we talk about the polity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I don't I've never had a fight over church polity. Nah. I don't I'd think, say most people wouldn't even be able to have yeah a so i I mean maybe that maybe that's a bigger issue in other places I, I don't think that's an issue at least at, in um in our church, and I would say you know as far as its essentialness, it's not even on the list yeah uh so number four this one uh eschatology you know again it is I don't know where i I lean, but at the same time, I, I I couldn't tell you definitively, you know, why you're wrong in with another view. Pre-trib, sure. post-trib, or post-mill, ah mill You know, I am I, I skirt that line somewhere between ah and post-mill, but for
1: for those of you out there that are not familiar with eschatology, you can Google
0: it. <laughs>
1: yeah, you can. No, it's, but kidding. it's it's basically the um basically the the doctrine, the ideas, the thoughts around
0: the, In the how the the, yeah. the
1: coming of Christ. Yeah, exactly. Um you know, is that premillennial, is that post millennial, is that mid millennial, is that pre trib, post trib? Uh is it a actual millennium? You know, I mean there's so many questions out there about that. And so but you know what?
0: Jesus wins. Jesus
1: wins. They yeah. wrote, that's really cool. My wife loves to read the last page of the book first. It drives me crazy. I don't know why anybody would want to do that. It feels like it ruins the book, yeah. you know? Yeah. But Wendy does that, and then she'll, she'll read the last page or maybe even the last chapter, and it, she'll make her decision then. Do I want to read this book or do I not? Depending on how, the, you know. Right. Well, good news. We know how it ends.
0: Yeah. Look, there, there is a lot, there's a lot of. Wonderful um, gifts of grace that come in digging through eschatology. Um, And I know, at least for me, it has been a a refreshing um, sort of well of, of life for me in the spirit that, you know, to think about these things. But ultimately, the, the thinking is how Christ is going to reign on earth on earth for a millennium, yeah. or you know how we are going to to live in experience His kingdom that. and experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, to die on a hill down here about exactly how that's going to happen uh, is not nearly as as it's not very productive, is well, it? <laughs> it? It's not, though. I think personally, for me, it it, it, it has been. But I don't go, you know, I don't come to you and say, hey, let's talk about whether or not you're all-mill or post-mill. And I want to debate you on this.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that's a lot of the problem with, and not necessarily a problem. I think that's a lot of, of the issues that maybe I see with different doctrines. You know, to me, yes, they are important. Like I said, I'm not, like you say, I'm not going to die on the hill. I'm not going to hang, you know, on... Some of these things now, you know, there are some that are essential. Yeah. But, you know, Jesus is the only way. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, Jesus is Lord. Jesus right. is Lord. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a few that are, you know, they're n- non-negotiable, yeah. you know. But for for self, for growth, and for um, that yearning that, that God puts within us to, to know Him better, that is where I see these things coming into play because, it, yeah. just like what you said, it's your it it, it, it has sanctified you these doctrinal yeah. issues that you because you got in God's Word, mm-hmm. they challenged you yeah. to get in God's Word and to read and to learn and to 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 go deeper and yeah. not just take this, you know, whatever somebody had printed off the internet and given yeah, you, yeah. Well, um, you know. And so, and but if if that is the purpose, if that's what we're doing, if we're using doctrine to to feed, not to feed, but to start the feeding process, we'll say, then then let that be it. You know, yeah. use that for the building up of your own life. You know, mm. and if that overflows into your conversations, good. That's okay. Yeah. Don't make that your conversation.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, and you know, iron sharpens iron, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so I want to give him his moment here. Um, the question of when Jesus is coming back, particularly whether he's coming before the millennium or after the millennium or in the middle of the millennium, which is the right one, by the way, uh, <laughs> must also be regarded as a non essential. We can't even agree if it's a literal millennium. You know, and he says some more here, but I think he, he nailed it on the head. We don't know. No man knows the hour or the day. Um, Don't want to know. know. Yeah, well, Could you imagine that burden? Uh. All right, so number five, last one, spiritual gifts. The use and application of spiritual gifts today is a subject that evangelical Christians often put at the center of their church life, making it a touchstone of orthodoxy. Surely abuse of the gifts exists, and we should call out evident uh, malpractice as we see it. Still, the mere possibility of recklessness or neglect on either side does not require that we separate ourselves from those who hold a different position than we on the spiritual gifts. Provided our unity is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need not feel that we have to press people to our own conclusions. I don't don't know if that's like a nod towards... uh, Pentecostalism, or uh, yeah, I, yeah, I
1: don't know that that article got a little bizarre to me on that last point because yeah. I was like, wow.
0: so I, I again, okay, so so here we go, the five, right? I wanna, mm-hmm. I wanna, eh, okay, maybe or I agree, okay? okay, so
1: so this is gonna be a hands up, agree, hands down, right? This let is it gonna go. be
0: this is gonna be our determination of whether okay. or not we think that these things are essential, okay, in the are they eh? because i think all we we have agreed that yeah. all five of them when illuminated properly are we agree with the, the article but some of them still sting right yeah. okay so uh, election and predestination agree or or eh
1: agree that it's not essential nah
0: Eh, right? Eh. It's an eh. It's yeah. a... Uh, I have a eh. hard time on that one. Yeah. Number two, baptism. Meh. Meh? You're meh. a meh? Season. Not eh, but meh. Uh, yeah, I don't okay.
1: Want, you know. I'm a little more eh on really? that one. Okay. I'm a
0: little more, you know... That one stings me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I, uh, the debate, I don't want it. I don't want to have the debate.
1: Yeah. I, I, You know, and I think it's just... You know, there's so many denominations. There's so many different... Yeah groups you know? Yeah. I read the Bible.
0: Yeah. So number two for me, it, just because it is a distinctive of being a Baptist is harder for me to say. It's not essential.
1: Yeah well okay, yeah. I mean it is essential, I don't want to fight about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I'm not gonna, you know, dis- communi- Or you know, yeah. I'm not gonna say I can't talk to you anymore. Uh church polity. Yeah, and it's not essential. No. Do we do it well? No, absolutely not. Do we do it well as a church, big C? No. No, we're pretty bad at it. Um, But I'm not going to fight about it either. Yeah. Eschatology, as long as you agree with me, you're fine. (laughs) Uh, And then number five was spiritual gifts, and we're trying to figure out what he's talking about in that. You know. So,
1: but, you know, that brings up a good point, and I'm going to kind of get off topic here, but this is something that I I, I just you know, want to talk to our church about. Um, you were talking about the abuses of the spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. And something that I've been hearing a lot lately, <laughs> just in loose terms, is the term of a spiritual abuser. Have you heard that term?
0: Spiritual abuser.
1: A spiritual abuser. We're talking like a
0: like a... A physical abuse, but not that way. Like a, a spiritual yes. abuse in the same sort of vein. Yes. Like you're yeah. using spirituality yes. to abuse yes. your spouse or your children. No, never yes. heard of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or but what they're seeing is, you know, that's happening. It's kind, it's kind of commonplace in churches with their leadership, or it's in some churches commonplace with their leaderships that they're using mm-hmm. these tools to kind of keep people. Uh, I guess you know. It, I mean, it's it's like mental abuse, the same way a husband would abuse a wife to make her feel like she had to okay. stay in this situation. Okay, um,
0: I'm, I, I think I'm tracking with you. Yeah,
1: and so I'm wondering if in this article that is what they're talking about a little bit huh. the the abuse of spiritual gifts, and I, I wonder if there's some correlation there. See, I, I
0: don't know. see. I was at the see. I was at the total opposite end of the spectrum. I was thinking like you know, worship bands should be turned around backwards so they don't, you know, seek glory. Yeah. I was kinda at that end like like are we having this, this singing on Sunday night so that so that brother Jesse can be seen for the great singer that he is. Yes. I, that's where I was.
1: Yeah. Okay, and I get that. But there was that one that one piece when they said at the end, um um there was just something in there that led me to believe that maybe that that there was some of that happening somewhere. You know, like maybe 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 somebody's spiritual gift is not something that they're comfortable with just yeah. yet.
0: I can think of, you know so I immediately jumped to, you know, sort of cult type of mm-hmm. churches mm-hmm. where, you know, Well
1: and you can see where a a spiritual abuser yeah, yeah, I, would fit into that scenario. I
0: think you're probably right. I think you're probably thinking the way that, uh, that Alistair Begg, I'm pretty sure it's Alistair. Yeah, it's Alistair Begg is thinking that he's probably seen it in his church. He's probably seen it, you know, in other places. He's much more tuned in than we are to what's happening nationwide as far as mm-hmm. uh, spiritual. I, I just thought, you know, when I first read it, I was like, it's kind of weird. I never.
1: Well, and I wouldn't have thought about it that way if I hadn't heard that term a couple weeks ago, you know, but just the the combination of those words, something you don't hear, spiritual mm-hmm. user.